You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Good morning, Every Nation. It is our distinct privilege to be here this morning, to be able to share the word of the Lord with you, to fellowship with like-minded people, people of God. It is a distinct privilege for me personally. Pastor, thank you. Pastor Uber, thank you for the honor of ministering on your pulpit. And I reiterate what my wife said. We will not desecrate your pulpit. We will not bring compromise or scandal, either as a result of being here or in any of our ministry. It is a wonderful thing to be a child of God. And as I share the word of the Lord with you today, you will understand how privileged we are to be called by his name. I sense the spirit of God in this place so powerfully. And pastor, I said to you when I came, I said, I sense God here. Because we minister all over the world. And I can tell you God is not everywhere, but he's here. I said he's here. I said he's here. And so thank you for this opportunity. My faith is that as I minister today, your life will never be the same again. And I don't say that lightly because I know what God has deposited in me for you. Your life will never be the same again. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about to change. Come tell them like you mean it. It's about to change. It's a whole new level. It's a whole new level. Before I honor my wife, I just wanted to honor, and, and, and my brother Neville did a great job of introducing everybody, so I won't introduce everybody else, but let me just say this to my brother Neville and Beryl, amazing people. You know, we have been privileged to be friends with them for so many years, a couple of decades, that's a long time. And when you walk with people for a long time, you know who they really are. Because you can only pretend for a short while. And on Friday night, I was saying, as we were sharing at the, the, the couple's dinner, I've never met people more generous than them. So thank you for your friendship. Thank you for being visionaries. Because when you come around visionaries, you are envisioned. You are empowered. You are able to see further. And Isaac Newton put it like this. He says, the reason why I'm able to see further is because I stood on the shoulders of giants. So we honor you as giants of our generation. Come and put your hands together for them. And finally, before I get you to take your seats, I just want to honor my beautiful wife. You know, we've been married on May the 22nd this year, 25 years. She's my best friend, no doubt. She's an amazing woman of God. And with time, hopefully you'll get to hear from her because she's the preacher in our house. I just know a little bit, but she knows a lot. And, my, and my, you know, I just want to honor you in front of all these wonderful people. Thank you for being an amazing woman. I would never change you for anybody. Are you ready to get to work? Come on, please take your seats. Come on, take your neighbor by the shoulders and say, ah, it's about to change. It's about to change. God is in the house. Amen. Before we pray, I want to tell you something. They did a study some years ago. And they discovered that in every group of three people, 
only one of them was either handsome or beautiful. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor, to your right, to your left. And it's obviously not them, so it must be you. Please bow your heads with me as we begin. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today for the awesome privilege of serving your purposes in my generation. Thank you that revelation knowledge will flow freely today, uninterrupted and unhindered by any satanic or demonic force. I pray that you will speak through my vocal cords and you will think through my mind, all of you and none of me. Holy Spirit, you are the finger of God. You are our unseen guest, but you're the most important person in this room. And I ask you to glorify Jesus amongst us. Let every purpose and plan of your heart be established today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen. I'm going to be sharing a message with you today that I've entitled, Live from Your Core. Live from your core. If you understand anything about exercise, and if you're one of those people who likes going to the gym, you will understand that as you build your strength, it's important for you to build your core strength. There's no point having big biceps if you have a weak center, if you have a weak core. And so everything we do in our spiritual experience, we have to focus and make first things first. Because if you put certain things first that are not supposed to be first, then you will never go to the level that God wants you to go to. And as I build this foundation, let me say this to you. There are many promises in the word of God. Too many promises. Matter of fact, God spoke to my spirit one time and he said that the promises of God are so extravagant that you have to renew your mind to be able to receive them. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 12, it says, I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, pleasing unto God, which is your reasonable service and your reasonable sacrifice. And then he says, and I, I beseech you not to be conformed to the ways of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, the things that God wants you to experience, the kind of life that God wants you to have, it's so big. That if you don't renew your mind, you will allow people who have not read your covenant to tell you what you are entitled to. I'm telling you, God is a good God. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He said, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. He says, if they obey and serve me, then they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. So I want you to understand as we begin with our foundational scripture today from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 to 13, that God's promises are extravagant and you're about to experience them in your life. I'm going to read here from the message version. And the Bible says here, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. He says, we didn't fence you in. And the smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. And then he says, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. 
open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Paul is remonstrating with the Corinthians. He's saying, I can't wait. You see, you can hear that the, the language is almost a pleading. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. People say, why did Jesus come? We don't have to second guess why Jesus came. Jesus told us in his own words, I have come that you might have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. He said, I've come that you might have the God kind of life. One version says, I've come that you might have life on God's level or have life as God has it. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And as Paul is remonstrating with the Corinthians, he's saying there's, there's a smallness. But the smallness didn't come from us. We're not the ones who fenced you in. The smallness is within you. And that's why you need to renew your mind. You see, the way we treat life, we treat it like a pizza with eight pieces. And we say, if, if somebody else has a piece, then there's one less piece for me. And yet there's an abundance in our generation that the world has never seen. There's money that you could never spend in a thousand lifetimes. If you took all the money in the world and you distributed it evenly, everybody would have $10 million. There's no shortage. How many of you have ever seen somebody on the side of the road breathing in deeply, taking deep breaths? And then you go to them and you say, stop breathing so deep because if you breathe deep, you're finishing the oxygen for me. We recognize that there's more than enough for everybody. He says the smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your lives are not small, but you're living them in a small way. And then he says, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. When God was speaking to Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm not just making you an heir, but I'm making you an, an heir of the world. And the language of the Bible is replete with examples. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. It's as far as you can see. And that's why you need to tell your neighbor, open up your eyes. Tell your neighbor, open up your lives. And live openly and expansively. So where am I going with, with this this morning? I'm trying to get you to understand that there's so many promises in the word for you. Isaiah 58 and 14 tells us that God, if we delight in him, he will cause us to ride on the high places of the earth. Oh my God. Isn't that good? And then I begin to read the scriptures and then I ask the question. And this is what you need to get if you get nothing else today. It's one thing to have a promise. But it's another thing to experience the manifestation of the promise. Too many times people stand in the pulpit and they tell you what God says, but they don't tell you how to get it. And so you jump and you scream and you get excited. And then when you get home, you have no idea what you need to do to receive manifestation. That's not your portion today. I said, that's not your portion today. I'm about to show you the process of getting from where you are to where God says you need to be. 
And so let me begin today in the book of Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30, which is one of my favorite scriptures. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Somebody say his purpose. Say it again, his purpose. Say it like you believe it, his purpose. Notice it's not your purpose, but it's what? It's his purpose. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And then it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also what? He called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What is the Bible saying? That all things work together for good for those who love God. So your first duty is to love God. But the second thing you need to do is you need to be called according to his purpose. Because notice, he has a purpose. That's bigger than your purpose. The Bible says that we were foreknown in the mind of God. Man, listen, God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And that's why he told Jeremiah, before I, you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. When the angel of the Lord appeared to, to Manoah, the father of Samson, he said, you're about to have a child. And the child that you are about to have is to be a Nazarite. You are not supposed to cut his hair. You're not supposed to give him strong drink because he's dedicated to me. And then the language of the scripture says, and he will begin the process of delivering the children of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Notice he would begin the process because total redemption for the Jews only comes at the hands of Jesus Christ. But notice, before he was formed, God said, this is the purpose. He was foreknown in the mind of God, and then he was predestined. You and I were predestined. What does that mean? That God already knew he had the blueprint for your life. He rolled it out. That's what predestination is. It's a mystery. But God says, I am God. I know the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying, I will do all my counsel. What I have determined to happen will happen. So you and I have been predestined. And not only have we been predestined, but we've been called. And how many of you know that when God calls, you can either accept the call or you reject the call? We have been called by God. And then he justifies us. What does that mean? God calls us and says, I'm going to treat you like you've never sinned. Even though your sins are as bright and as red as scarlet, I'll treat you and make them as white as snow. And then finally he says, those whom he justified, he also glorified. That lets me know that your story is not over until I see some glory in your life. I said, your story is not over until I see some glory in your life. So God has a purpose for your life. You are unique. One of my favorite, my wife's favorite phrases is you are sui generis in a class of your own. You know, we tell Christians all the time, you are unique. And then we tell them, but if you don't do what God has called you to do, God will just raise up somebody else to do it. And that's a lie. Because by virtue of you being unique, when you have a calling, when you have an assignment, 
When you don't do what God called you to do, then it remains undone. And that's why when you look at the example of the prophet Jonah, when God commissions him and says, go to Nineveh, he says, no, I'm not going, I'm going to Tarshish. If he was replaceable, God would have just said, let me find somebody else. But God pursued him with the passion of a lover. Are you understanding? The first time I asked my wife out, she said no. But he didn't stop me asking. Come on, brothers, have I got a witness in the house today? Why do you want to act like I'm the only one who's persistent? When I asked her out, she said no. But I said no doesn't mean no. And I kept pushing until eventually you just change your game a little bit. And God pursued Jonah with the same passion. Jonah said, I'm going to Nineveh. God says, you're having a laugh. I've told you that you need to go to Nineveh. Don't go to Tarshish where you're going. And Jonah used to live in the mountains of Galilee. And he came down to the harbor and onto the ship. Eventually, God sent a whale, swallowed that sucker, and vomited him in the place of his assignment. Because he was predestined. Come on. In the book of Galatians chapter 1. And let me, before I even go there. This is what you must understand. When God has called you, he knows the kind of results that you can get in his plan. So when, when Jonah goes to Nineveh and preaches, 600,000 people repented. Are you understanding? Because you look at yourself like you don't matter. It's just me. God says you are unique. Foreknown in my mind. Predestined. Set apart and fit for holy use. In the book of Galatians chapter 1. The, the, the apostle Paul begins to speak. And this is in the new, new century version. He says, you have heard about my past life in the Jewish religion. I attacked the church of God and I tried to destroy it. I was becoming a leader in the Jewish religion doing better than most other Jews of my age. I tried harder than anyone else to follow the teachings handed down by our ancestors. And then it says, but God, somebody say, but God. Say it again, but God. Come and shake your neighbor by the shoulders and say, but God. He says, but God had special plans for me. And he set me apart for his work, even before I was born. He called me through his grace and he showed his son to me so that I might tell the good news about him to those who are not Jewish. Notice it says, when God called me, I did not get advice or help from any person. Because some pe sometimes people can talk you out of your destiny. Because they only see in part and they only know in part. He says, but God had special plans for me. Not ordinary plans. Special plans for me. He says, God didn't just call me to be an apostle, but he called me to be an apostle to those who are not Jewish. Notice the calling is specific. You can't decide where you are called. 
In Galatians chapter 2, he puts it like this. God called Peter to be an apostle to the Jews, but he called me to be an apostle to those who are not Jewish. Are you understanding? So now all of a sudden you begin to recognize that if you are to succeed in life, life is a discovery, not an invention. You discover the call. You discover the predestined plan and you begin to walk in that plan and then everything that God has intended for your life will come to pass. Aren't you tired of trying to be your own blesser? Aren't you tired of trying things that do not work? Aren't you tired of trying businesses that do not work? How about stepping into a plan that is already blessed? Set apart for God's use. My wife is an industrial psychologist, a business psychologist. And because she does training in that area, I take advantage. Because I married her, I get free training. Come on. And one day, as she's coaching me, she's asking me all of these questions. I heard the Spirit of God whisper to me the words that I've shared with you today. Live from your core. And he began to show me the Garden of Eden because the book of 1 Corinthians says to us that we are the Garden of God. He said when he showed me the Garden of Eden, he showed me that Eden had four streams, four rivers flowing out of it. You had Gihon and the Euphrates and Pishon and then you had Hittichel. All of them tributaries flowing out of Eden. And God began to show me that the biggest issue with his, his church is that we discover a tributary and we run with the tributary. And we neglect the garden, the core. This is the reason why as a pastor, when God showed me that this is your assignment, I can't run in 20 different directions and leave the core. Because if I leave the core, the tributaries will dry out. What are some of my tributaries? I'm an author, an advisor, and a consultant. But if I decide to write with no call, their books will dry up. If you are experiencing perennial dryness, you have to ask yourself the question, am I being true to my call? And can I tell you something about the call? One of the biggest challenges about the core is when God calls us to do something, the reality is oftentimes we don't want to do it because we think we know better. It was a sobering day, the day I heard the Lord say to me, Jamie, you've never had a problem giving me 100% of your time and energy, but you have never given me 100% of your heart. You always have a plan B. And again, to coin the phrase, you always have a blessing. You always have somebody. It's either you or somebody else that you put in my place. And yet the Bible says, cursed is he who trusts in the arm of the flesh. And so I began to look at the example of what happens when you are in the middle of God's will for your life. Have you ever seen a duck on water? Have you ever seen a duck when it's on water and it's cruising? It looks so serene. It looks so effortless. 
And yet you take the same duck and you put it on the ground and it starts waddling. It looks uncomfortable. It looks disorganized. We got believers who are waddling today. Because you are supposed to be on the water but you are on the ground. And everything you do, there's no grace. It's all effort. Struggle. Don't you understand that that is proof of the curse? When everything you do is in the sweat of your brow, it's not a blessing. And I made the decision to say from here on in until the day I die, I will never waddle again. I will be in the middle of God's will for my life. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care how well they're doing. If it's not for me, God bless them. Because the biggest thing we fail to understand, and I remind you of what I started by saying, that the promises of God are so extravagant that you have to renew your mind to be able to receive them. God has no problem with greatness in your life. Matter of fact, when he appeared to Abraham, he said to Abraham, I will make your name great. One version says, I will make your name famous and distinguished. So God has no problem with us having a great name. He just wants to be involved in the process. At the Tower of Babel, they said, let us build this great tower. And let us make a great name for ourselves. God said, we are going to confuse this work. Because anything that does not have me at its helm, uh-uh, it's not going to build. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. How many of you have heard of David Livingston? David Livingston was a medical doctor when God called him to become a missionary to Africa. And he had a brother called John Livingston. And John Livingston said to David Livingston, how can you go and become a missionary? I mean, are you going to, you are medically trained. And you want to go and minister to those Africans out there. But David was true to his call. And he came to Africa and did the work of the Lord. When you read the Encyclopedia Britannica today, there's one line dedicated to John Livingston. And it says, John Livingston was the brother of David Livingston. <laughs> and there are 16 paragraphs dedicated to David Livingston. What am I saying to you? When God gives you an assignment, it looks like you're going down, but you are actually going up. And that's why the Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 10 in the New Living Translation, if you humble yourself before the Lord and you admit your dependence on him, then he will lift you up and he will give you honor. Isn't it amazing? We look for honor in all the wrong places. 
You want a great name? You want a great name? We must be like Jesus. In the book of Philippians, it talks about Jesus. Jesus, even though he was equal with God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God or something to be grasped. But he took himself from that lofty position, put himself in a mortal body, submitted himself to the call of God, submitted him to a criminal's death on the cross. And because of his obedience, God highly exalted him, elevated him, lifted him up, and gave him a name that is above every other name. That at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, God's level, God's blessing, there's no substitute. I want to tell you. The worst thing you can do is look over the fence at what your neighbor is doing. Because when you compete with the Joneses, the Joneses have a different calling. They have a different assignment. And when you embrace their assignment, it will fail in your hands. What they do easily, you will never do. You will struggle. You get, like my brother was saying, more degrees than a thermometer. It still won't work. You go to the juju man. What's happening? It still won't work. You marry a different wife. It still won't work. You change city. It still won't work. Change Johannesburg for Port Elizabeth. It still won't work. Change South Africa for America. It still won't work. Because your assignment is specific. And I realized, if I am to really succeed, it's because I'm in the will of God. Let people laugh. Let them say what they want. Even with the church of Jesus Christ, we've had so much trouble in the body of Christ. So much foolishness in the body of Christ. So much nonsense in the body of Christ. So much so that sometimes when you tell people you're a pastor, they say, but what, why? But you're a, you're a lawyer. You've been a lawyer for 21 years. Why don't you just do the stuff that is easy and no problem? You want to associate with yourself with this mess? And then I said, but no. Because to be honest, if I'm doing law and God has told me to do ministry, it won't work. And what I know about the ministry is God has no other plan for the redemption of the world apart from his church, the ecclesia. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I don't care what anybody says about the church. I believe in the church. I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that the church will see the manifestations of God's power. I believe that God will do a work in our generation that the world has never seen before. And the Bible says it in Isaiah chapter 2 verses 2 to 3. My favorite scripture. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord shall be established above the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and all nations will flow into it. And they shall say, come, let us go to the house of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in his paths. The Bible says in the last days, 
The church will be in practical dominion in every conceivable sphere of society. Because the answers in the world are failing. There's no solutions in the world. And the book of Joel looks to a time when the army of the Lord, it talks about an army that the world has never seen before. It's an army that marches in unison. Every joint supplying. Everybody doing what they're supposed to do. And that's the army that will get the job done. So what am I saying to you today, saints? It doesn't matter where you are today. You are a decision away. One decision from being right where God wants you to be. One decision. You do a U-turn and about turn 180 degrees and say, I was going in this direction and God arrested me. I'm going in this direction now. And you put your head down. Don't worry about what people are doing. Don't worry about those who are laughing. Don't worry about those who are mocking you. Saying, hey stupid, how can you be a pastor? Hey stupid, how can you be in education? Hey stupid, how are you leaving all this to go into business? Ignore your naysayers. Because naysayers, they nay. Don't worry about those people. Just focus on that says the Lord. Do you have the word of the Lord for your situation? Do you have that says the Lord? Do you have God said it? I believe it. And that settles it. Because God doesn't want his church in ignominy. He doesn't want his church in shame. He doesn't want his church struggling. We are ordained to ride on the high places of the earth. I see you riding on the high places of the earth. I see you stepping in positions of authority. Come and if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise right now. I see you rising. Going higher and higher and higher and higher. Manifesting Jesus to your world. For there is no other name under heaven or earth given to men. By which we must be saved. And as I draw to a close. I leave you with this scripture. Acts 20 and 32. And now brethren I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. The biggest challenge with the body is ignorance. They don't know what their Bible says. You see, my legal background taught me the first subject you do when you enter law school is constitutional law. Because the constitution governs every aspect of your life. I submit to you that most of you have never even read the constitution of this nation. And yet you are governed by its dictates. And your Bible is a constitution. Matter of fact, I used to ask the Lord one time, I said, God, why would you have me 20 years in, legal, in the legal fraternity? He said, because the Bible is a legal book. Your job is to interpret the book. Just like you interpreted statutes and constitutions and, and notices and regulations and bylaws, you interpret this book. You break it down. You understand it. You get revelation. You give people revelation. They walk in that revelation and their lives change forever. G. 
Jesus would say, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. To do your will, O oh Lord. There are words in that book for you. Your destiny is in that book. Your revelations are in that book. Your house is in that book. Your cars are in that book. Your businesses are in that book. Your good marriage is in that book. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Your core. I don't care what they say about it. Be true. Be true. Because when God opens doors, no man can shut them. The biggest challenge is when people crown you, they will also crucify you. And you know that. When you bless yourself, it comes with sorrow. But the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. You become a master at what God called you to do. Focus. One of the rivers that flowed out of Eden, it speaks of directness. Because the other rivers speak of abundance, increase. But this one speaks of directness. Like an arrow that has been aimed. God says, when you take my instruction, you will hit your bullseye. You will hit your target. You will be significant in your generation. And finally, a few years ago, God spoke to me and he said that every day that you live, you must live in the light of eternity. Understanding that no matter how many years you are privileged to live, one day you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. To give an account of the deeds done in the flesh. And God is not in the business of paying for things he did not instruct you to build. God says there are crowns waiting for you in heaven. The crown of glory. The incorruptible crown. The crown of righteousness. The crown of rejoicing. The crown of life. But they are given to overcomers. Those who are faithful to their assignment. Those who do what that says, the Lord says. And don't say there's what I think. Because the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is the way of death. I declare over you today in the name of Jesus, you will not miss your mark. You will not miss your destination. You will not lose your destiny. You will go where God says you are called to go. You will do what God called you to do. Come and stand to your feet as we pray. You will manifest the will of God in your life. You will bring about a revival in your generation. You will do great things. Come and lift up those hands to heaven right now. And I want you to begin to pray. If you're in the wrong location, begin to repent right now. And if you're in the wrong place, make the decision right now to say, I'm going back where I need to be. Father, I pray for your people right now. I pray. For divine positioning. I pray for divine location. I pray that your people will be in the place where you have ordained for them to be. 
I pray that as they pursue you, that they will find manifestations of your power. You said in your word, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all your heart. I pray that God will begin to move. Come on, lift up those hands as we finish now. Come on. Holy Spirit, when we've done what we know to do, we surrender to you. Father, we pray for your people right now. Imbue your people with grace. Imbue your people with wisdom. Imbue your people with revelation. To be true to their core. To get the promises that you have laid up for them. Come on, pray, 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 pray. We're almost done. Pray, 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 pray. Pray, 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 pray. Risatakaba. Risokokoshoko. Risatakabane. Liranabaso. Nenamaso kotoko. Imbue us with grace, Father. The grace to get the job done the first time around. The grace to make up for our mistakes. The grace to make up for our shortcomings. The grace to pursue you with all of our hearts. Shika babaso. Misabah. Thank you, Jesus. And the Lord reminded me as we were praying that when God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt and he was taking them into the promised land, each and every one of the tribes of Israel was given a portion. They were given their lot. They were given their part. Joshua conquered 31 kings. And he began to remind me and he said so many times my people are like Lot in the Bible. That they only see with the natural eye. They see the land that looks good and beautiful. And that's what they go for. But they are never satisfied with my Lot. What I have apportioned for them. Father, I pray for grace. That your people will be happy with your lot. With that which you have apportioned for them. That they will not despise the day of small beginnings. That they will not despise the assignment of the Lord. That they will not despise what you have called them to do. But you have established them in their lot. And the lines have fallen unto them in pleasant places. And they have a goodly inheritance. Grace upon this ministry. Grace upon every nation. I pray for every tribe and every tongue. Everybody that you have ordained who has the DNA of this ministry. To come into this house. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you will blow them into the house of the Lord. Like you blew quail into the camp of Israel. I pray that you will blow their sons and daughters into this place. From the north, from the south, from the east and from the west. I pray that you will surround them with people of influence. I pray that you will plant in their midst men and women of influence. I see abundance rising from this place. And so, Father, I thank you. Once again, I thank you for the awesome privilege of serving your purposes in our generation. Holy Spirit, you are the finger of God. You are our unseen guest, but still you're the most important person in this room. And I pray that you will glorify Jesus amongst us. Let every purpose and plan of your heart be established today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, Come and give the Lord a shout of praise today. Come and bless his holy name. Come on, let's celebrate the word of God. Come on. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.